You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. This morning we're going to be looking at one of the most misunderstood, misquoted, misrepresented passages in all of Scripture, I think. So let's go to Matthew 7. If you remember, we're in our Real Jesus series. Um looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And we're on the last, the back end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus isn't going to let up any lighter just because he's towards the end of his sermon. He's going to even crank the wrench down harder and get even more difficult on, my, on our lives. So let's read, let's start in uh, chapter 7, verse 1. And we're going to read the six verses there. Judge not that you... Be not judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And do not give to dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. See a little humorous side of Jesus in some of these words here. How many of you ever heard this or some form of this, or maybe you even said it? You can't judge me. <laughs> Or who are you to judge? I mean, that is a go-to comment when someone disagrees with something. <laughs> that is a uh, comment that's thrown around, just even in the face of just Christianity from non-Christians. Um, you know, when, when our beliefs, when our stances are in opposition to someone... I mean, we just throw, that's a common phrase that's thrown out. Like, you can't judge me. You know, we love opinionated people. Because, I mean, look, look, just look at, look at what we do. Just think about this. If you're a conservative, you watch Fox News. You listen to conservative radio. You read conservative things. If you're a liberal, you watch MSNBC. You read liberal news media. We love opinions. I love sports talk. I love to hear people's opinions on current events in sports on Johnny Manziel or the Mississippi State Bulldogs and how wonderful they are this year <laughs> and also how good the Cubs are going to be next year <laughs> yes <laughs> where'd that come from <laughs> that's so great you know we love we do love opinions when they agree with us. Um, in fact, matters of individual morality, individual conviction and beliefs, we can find them uh, opinions to be very opposing to us. And our opinions can be very opposing to one another. But what, what it, it, is this what Jesus is calling us to? Is he saying, don't be opinionated? Is he saying, don't have 
convictions. Don't stand up for truth. You know, some people think that um, being a Christian means that you should never exercise any kind of critical judgment. Some people think that the model Christian is someone who uh, is totally accepting no matter what the case. To to be like Jesus would be uh, just completely turn off any kind of judgmental, critical faculties that you and I may have. Don't have an opinion. Whatever you do, don't stand up for it. Don't believe absolute truth. Whatever you do, don't stand up for it. I mean, really, there's a lot of this kind of thought process that goes out there, and you may have heard it. What's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me. So if 2 plus 2 is 4 for you, and 2 plus 2 is 5 for me, we're both right. Right? (laughs) I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. (laughs) Jesus is not going to, in in this passage, Jesus is not telling us to refrain from using critical judgment. Jesus is not telling you to refrain from using fair judgment. Jesus is not forbidding you to use critical thinking skills. Jesus is not forbidding you to discern what is right from what is wrong. And you know how I know that? Because there's other parts of the Bible where Jesus tells us to do that. Just a few verses later that we'll be looking at in a couple of weeks, but just to highlight them, verse 15 of chapter 7, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, and you will recognize them by their fruits. Recognizing, making judgments on false prophets. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Jesus says in John 7, 24, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So Jesus is not excluding all forms of judgment, or else he wouldn't have told us to judge with right judgment. So what's right judgment? And I think right judgment, in order for someone to judge accurately and rightly, there has to be a standard in which someone measures it against. You know, I started thinking about the Olympics. I love the Summer Olympics. I love all the uh, water events. And I was thinking about the high dive. You know, and you got a couple of judges over there judging the dive. And how do they know what, how, what to score the Olympic participant if they don't know what a 10 perfect dive is? So there's a measure in which they judge against. So right judgment begins with a right measure. I think, I'm going to take it a step further. I think scripture would even teach us that judgments that you and I must make might result in us causing to confront someone. Matthew 18, Jesus says, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Just between the two of you. And if he listens to you, you've won your brother over. You know, to obey that command, I mean, you must judge your brother who sinned against you. So I hope you see that Jesus is not talking about all forms of judgment. He's not forbidding all forms of judgment. And indeed, there is a right form of judgment 
that Christians are to exercise. There is indeed a right discernment of right and wrong that you and I must exercise. So what is the judgment that Jesus is forbidding here? Judge not, he says. I believe the judgment that he is talking about is a fault-finding, critical, condemning, self-righteous, scorekeeping, look-at-what-you've-done kind of judgment. Let me give you two quick examples. John 8. The woman's caught in adultery in verse 3. It says, The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this is the woman that's been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses commands us to stone such women. What do you say? Here's it. Listen to this. This they say to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Here's some fault-finding guys here. And then Jesus bent, bent down and wrote with his finger in the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. One more example here in Luke chapter 18, verse 10 begins... Jesus is given a parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee standing by himself prayed this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I've got. (laughs) This is the kind of judgment that Jesus is saying to get rid of in our life. And here's the reality. If we're honest, we're all doing this. Every one of us is doing this. We're elevating our sense of righteousness over and above other people. It's amazing just how much sin has hijacked us. I mean, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Sin enters the Garden... What did Adam and Eve start doing? They start playing the blame game to take the shift off of them, elevating how good they are over and above each other. It's unbelievable how we can see other people's sins before we see our own. And that's Jesus' point in the rest of this little section here in Matthew 7. I'm just going to quickly read verse 3. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? You know, he's not saying don't notice other people's sins. He's not, he's not forbidding that. He's just saying, notice yours first. <laughs> Guys, I do the exact thing. My world was rocked this week. <laughs> I'm constantly comparing my own sense of righteousness over others. As a pastor, I think things like this. <laughs> and I, look, guys, I'm just being honest, okay? So don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> If you guys would get it like I do, our church would be much healthier. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I've thought this stuff. Holy cow, man. Uh, oh, man. I've thought this. Why can't you guys live on mission like I do? I thought this about my own missional community. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Golly, this is confession this morning. Sorry, Jason. I won't be back. 
I've thought this. If other churches in Paragold understood the mission of God like we do and did things like we did, this city would be much, that God would do some great stuff in this city. I thought, oh man, uh, this gets worse. <laughs> Here's a huge one for me. I hate being late for anything. <clears throat> I kind of have this philosophy, if you're one minute early, then you're five minutes late. Amen. <laughs> and man, I've said this kind of stuff. When I see people late, I say things like, well, they don't care about other people's time like I do. <laughs> they don't value other people like I do. I got three kids and I'm still here 15 minutes early. What's their excuse? <laughs> they don't take this stuff as serious as I do. These are things I've thought. I judge and condemn people's parenting. And then I go out and do the same thing I was just condemning. I get frustrated and, and, I, and I think haughty thoughts of myself when I see people yelling at their kids. And then I go home yesterday and I do something like this. Girls... Go get your shoes on. We've got to go to the soccer game. And like the wonderful children they are, they get up and go. They're not in their room. Ten seconds, and they're already fighting. Here's my response. There's no reason you should be fighting. Put your shoes on right now! <laughs> and yet if I saw someone else do that, oh, dude, that ain't me, bro. I don't do that. But yet, that's exactly what I go and do. I even judge people's tolerance for pain and stupid stuff like that. <laughs> like, like, I just threw up and I'm still here. You, know? <laughs> you can't even get out of bed for a runny nose. Come on. <laughs> oh, man, y'all. I have seen how unbelievably judgmental my heart is. I don't say these things out loud, not to make that any better. <laughs> but I think these things in my heart. I think Jesus gives, us, gives me a warning, gives you a warning. If you find yourself in this position, Jesus is giving us a warning why we should refrain from this. He says, Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, he says, do not judge, or you too are going to be judged. And with the judgment that you use to judge, that's how I'm going to judge you. You know, when we're condemning of others, when I'm condemning of others, we're setting ourselves up for the standard and tone in which we're going to be judged by God. When we judge and condemn others, what we're saying is that we've got this figured out, and we're not guilty of it. So I can heap all my condemnation and my judgment on y'all because I'm not doing it. Here, here are the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 2. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them themselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? You know, if we know God's standards well enough to judge others, 
then we know them well enough to be judged by them ourselves. If you condemn others for just telling half-truths, do you tell half-truths? You condemn others who break commitments. Do you ever break a commitment? You condemn others for yelling at their kids. Do you ever yell at your kids? You condemn others for careless, hurtful remarks. Do you constantly watch your mouth and what, how you talk to others? Woman, you always make me late. Are you always on time? Are you always ready? Golly, guys, this has been so convicting on me this week. Because I honestly thought, when I went into this passage, I mean, golly, here's God's humor too. I went into this passage and, and I, I began praying like, God, you got to rock my world with this. Because guess what? I really didn't think that I was doing this. <laughs> I mean, because I'm not really vocalizing my judgments. Because Don, Don and I, one thing that we really do strive to have is a condemnation-free home. We tell our missional community that all the time. Like, you can bring your dirty junk here. Because we want this to be a condemnation-free home. I've wanted my life to be marked by condemnation-free. And vocally, by God's grace, I think it might be. Y'all can be the judge of that if, I've ever, if you've ever felt condemned by anything I've said. But in my heart, it's been a total different ball game being played. I've realized this week that although I may not, be, I may not vocally display my condemnation and judgment, man, it is, it is running laps in my heart. And it, it really is blinding me. It has deceived me to think that I didn't struggle with this. <laughs> I've been exposed <laughs> before Jesus. And I'm in desperate, desperate need for Him. So if you're like me, and in your heart, even though you may not vocalize stuff, in your heart you may be thinking the same kind of things I've think, thought, what do we do? Where do I turn? Because I don't want to be this way. <laughs> I don't want my heart to be full of judgment and condemnation. I, want, I really want a condemnation-free home. I really want a condemnation-free life. A condemnation-free heart. I really want that. I think Jesus wants that for me. I think Jesus wants that for you. And I think he gives us the answer in verses 3 through 5. He says... Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but, not, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take this log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see, clear, uh, you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Let me just remember, Remind us of two things. One is that Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to notice other people's sin. So you can't play that card if someone confronts you about sin in your life. You can't just immediately run to that card. You can't judge me. That's off limits to, you, to us as well. Because Jesus is not forbidding that you notice people's sin. And Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to go and confront people because of their sin. Matthew 18, it's, it, Jesus is not forbidding that. What Jesus is saying 
is that before we start noticing other people's sins and before we start confronting other people who may be in sin, we take a look at our own sin first. We should consider that our sin is much bigger than their sin. My own personal sin is way bigger than any kind of sin I can confront in someone else. And the problem is, is that our sin blinds us from seeing that. Just like the pride in my heart of me thinking that I wasn't wrestling with, that I didn't struggle and I wasn't having issues with condemnation blinded me from the fact that I really was having issues and I really was in sin in my own heart. I mean, look at this analogy that Jesus says. I mean, this is pretty much what he says. You got a big old honking log in your eye and you're worried about a piece of sawdust in someone else's eye. I mean, that, that, a lot of commentators say that Jesus is, is, you know, what do they call it, a hyperbolic statement or something like that? I, I don't know. I'm not an English guy, but they're saying he's using humor here. I mean, he's saying something that's totally ridiculous to get a point across. I mean, you've got a log in your own eye that's clearly blinding you, and you're worried about a piece of sawdust in someone else's eye. Our sin blinds us of our true appearance and what, what is really going on. Golly, it does. It did me this week. So where do I turn? What do I do? I think we have to get an honest evaluation of our own hearts. And this is what Scripture says about our hearts. It's deceitfully wicked. No one can know it. You can't even know your own heart. We are so deceived and so wicked. At Romans 3 says, none do good. None go after God. None desire God. We're all useless. That's Paul's words. So I think in order for me to overcome my condemning judgmental heart, I've got to keep in retrospect the fact that I'm unbelievably sinful as you guys if not more sinful. I'm unbelievably broken. And I'm unbelievably in need of Jesus. And then what that's going to do is drive me to preach the gospel to myself. That's going to drive me to remind myself that even though I am unbelievably sinful, there's an unbelievably perfect Savior who's taken all that sin for me. And guess what he does? Not only does he take my sin and he completely erases it, he says, now you stand as my child, never once to face my condemnation. Romans 8, 1, if anyone... No, that's the wrong verse. There, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I stand before him not receiving any judgment from Him, not receiving any condemnation from Him because Jesus has taken it all. How can I dare go and judge and condemn somebody else? Thank you, Jesus, that I stand before you like that. I stand before you clean, holy, and blameless. And that Jesus has taken all the condemnation for me on the cross. God condemned His own Son so that I would not have to face condemnation. God judged His own Son so that I would not have to face His judgment. 
That's the motivation that I have to keep preaching and saying to myself over and over again when my heart is critical, when my heart is judgmental, when my heart is condemning. And that's the only answer we have. There's no 10-step program to get out of a, to not have a judgmental heart. There's only one solution, and it's Jesus. So it's my prayer this morning to you guys that if you find yourself in a position like me, and you see that, yes, okay, I do struggle with a condemning, judging heart, that we run to Jesus who took all condemnation and all judgment for us so that we would not have to stand before God receiving condemnation from Him. Let's pray. Father, when I asked you this week to make this passage real to me, I wasn't expecting what you were going to show me. I wasn't expecting to see my own sin in my own heart. I thought this passage was for other people, not me. Father, but you are, in your kindness, you've shown the depravity and the corruption of my own heart. And by your grace, you've revealed just how sinful I am. And hallelujah that you didn't stop with just revealing that to me, but you took all that for me. You took all the sinning, all the judgment, all the condemnation I've had in my own heart. You took that for me so that I would not have to face condemnation from you. And I thank you that you give me your spirit to dwell in me that can free me from a condemning heart. That can release me from a judgmental heart. To where I can truly experience a condemnation-free life. I truly can have a condemnation-free home. I truly can have a condemnation-free heart. So empower my life, Spirit, to have that life. Empower me to, re- to rid the sin of judgment that I've had. And I pray that for anyone here this morning too. That there's someone could be sitting that is wrestling with the same things. Maybe they are vocal about it. Maybe they're just hiding it in their heart that you would expose that and that we would run to the cross and that we would find mercy and grace through Jesus who has taken all judgment and condemnation on ourselves. We want this church to be an open door for all of our baggage and all of our sin because we want this place to be a place where we can find healing a family where we can find no judgment and no condemnation and we can just receive grace and mercy and love and care so do that create that culture in us create that life in us to make your name great in Jesus name Amen